When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, it's Trags and it's Wednesday, October 31st. Happy Halloween. It's time for episode 269 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. Find us at clnsmedia.com and follow us on Twitter at Patriots CLNS. Patriots come off a short week following an ugly, perhaps uninspiring, but effective 25 to 6 win on Monday night in Buffalo. They started 1 and 2 and they have won 5 straight. Next up this Sunday night at Gillette is a game that has been circled on the calendar since April when the NFL schedules were announced. It's Tom Brady and the Patriots against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Brady versus Rodgers for just the second time as Matt Flynn, many people will recall, nearly upset the Patriots in a Sunday night game at Gillette back in 2010. Uh, the Patriots coming out on top 31-27 in that game. That's when the schedule makers thought they were getting Brady Rogers for the first time. To discuss this much-anticipated matchup is Tom Silverstein, longtime Packers beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Silverstein, all one word. And you should be following him not just this week, but all year round as he does a tremendous job for the Journal Sentinel. Tom also hosts the Packers podcast at jsonline.com. Quite an introduction, Tom. Welcome to Pat's Beat. Yeah, thanks. That's that's one of the finest introductions I've ever had. Thank you. Oh, uh, you're very welcome. Twenty nine years, is that right? That's right. Yeah, it's uh, almost three decades. I've covered every game that Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers have played. That is amazing. I, you know, before we get into the X's and O's, the culture is that something. Um, that people up there take for granted or people who cover the beat like yourselves, can you ever take that for granted or do you like appreciate just what it is to be covering uh, one of the uh, charter members of the NFL and certainly one of the iconic sports teams in America? I think, I think what I appreciate is that there's a fairly knowledgeable fan base and that you can, uh, you can report and talk and analyze football quite a bit because foot, the actual game part is really important to people here and they have a fairly advanced knowledge of the game. And so they appreciate really good analysis and um, in-depth look at, at the game. And so I think that's probably what I appreciate the most about the culture, the culture has changed a lot. I mean, they went from the Lombardi period when they were nationally renowned to 
a 20-year period where they were absolutely the joke of the NFL, you know, where people used to say they would, players used to say that's where you were sent, you know, to end your career, to coming back and then becoming uh, one of the most successful year-to-year organizations um, around. And, you know, to this period where they had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back. So it's been, it's, it's an interesting uh, history. So, you know, I'm going to ask you point blank. What is the difference between covering a Brett Favre and an Aaron Rodgers? Uh, good, good question. They're two different styles of quarterbacks, although there, there are some similarities. Favre was very much, uh, high emotion, uh, very, uh, very consistent in his, um, approach to the game, his emotional approach to the game, his mental approach to the game. Uh, Rogers is more intellectual, uh, has a more intellectual side to it. A little, um, a little less, uh, down home than Favre was Favre's, um, enthusiasm for the game was unparalleled and of course his toughness was too but Rogers has been you know somewhat of uh um just just a pinpoint uh really technical technically good quarterback and so it's two different guys but they sort of get the same thing done and uh, it, it's been interesting, and it will be interesting when Rogers' career is over to compare where they both stand. Tom, how how do you think they are in fourth quarters, uh, Favre and Rogers? They both have the reputation, I guess, of being gunslingers. But I mean, I think Favre was more of the gunslinger uh, than Rogers. But Rogers is somebody who's fearless in the fourth quarter, and that's what made watching. I think Ty Montgomery for every Packer fan watching what he did on Sunday just inexplicably frustrating. Right? I mean, you know, he brings the ball out of the end zone when all the Packers needed was to drive down the field by Aaron Rodgers and win the game with a field goal, right? Yeah, and and what was what was the worst part about it was that the Rams had left them uh the two minute warning. Right. And the only way they lose the two minute warning is if he returns the kickoff and um <laughs> then the two minute warning is blown um right before the possession. So they had they only had one timeout but they had the two minute warning if he takes the touchback. And so, yeah, you know, with two Oh five, now there's no guarantee. Rogers has not been perfect in the fourth quarter. He's in fact, early in his career, he went a long time before he had a fourth quarter comeback. It was sort of a thing for a while. And then it started, you know, he sort of uh, broke that, Span where he he was unable to rally them to a win, and he's been better since then. Just to get back to what your original point was, Favre was the king of the fourth quarter comeback. I mean, he was absolutely fearless, and some of his fourth quarter comebacks ended up with interceptions. But you know, if I ever had to um, lay down some money on who was gonna um, on who I wanted to be my 
fourth quarter guy. Um, you know, I guess Brady would be first and Favre would be second because um, he was just, you just knew he was going to do whatever it took to get down there and he wasn't going to be afraid to try to win the game. So that being said, um, yeah, Rodgers, everything was set up for them to pull off that that game. They only needed a field goal. And Crosby had already hit from 53 yards. It was a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, that that was an opportunity that they could end up ruining the rest of the year. They're, they're now 3-3-1, three, three and one, correct? That is uh, the record coming into uh, Gillette Stadium. And what makes it, I think, um, Tom, that much more painful uh, for Packers fans and, well, for the Packers coaches and players, obviously, is that you follow up a game against the undefeated uh, Los Angeles Rams with a game on Sunday night against the New England Patriots, who yeah. you know, their reputation precedes them, obviously. And that that one-two punch, I can't imagine a team having a tougher pair of road games this year on the NFL schedule than the Packers having to go out to L.A. and then trek back across the country and play at Gillette, right? Yeah, no question. And and really, it's part of a five-game stretch and an almost impossible five-game stretch where they play at L.A., then they go back to the East Coast to play the Patriots, then they come back home to play Miami, then they go out west to play Seattle, and then they go to Minnesota the following week. So if ever there was a five-game stretch that was going to decide your season, that's it. And, you know, I... I actually wrote a column to this effect that I, I said they could really, they don't have to win the Rams and Patriots games, but they have to be extremely competitive. They have to start to come together. And I sort of actually went back and looked at what happened in that 2010 game when Matt Flynn played at New England. And, you know, that game really propelled them it, it sort of showed them that they could compete with uh, the rest of the league because New England was one of the best teams at that time. And competing with their backup quarterback and nearly winning the game sort of gave them the confidence that they needed to. And then they went on that hot streak and they ended up yeah. winning the Super Bowl. So now we find out whether this Rams game is the same thing or whether they can produce this kind of competitive game they did you know in 2010 and, and 2014 when they played New England that year um, they went to the NFC championship game and they beat New England in what was just one of the best games of the year as I recall 20 really yes. great 26 21 if I recall yeah yeah and it was just a just a great back and forth um, strategic game where you know Belichick and, and McCarthy were going at it and it was really a good game so uh that's why you know there's a lot of historical um implications here but it's the packers have to play well they they don't have to win but they have to play well Speaking with Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, has covered the Packers for the last 29 years. He also hosts Packers podcast on jsonline.com. Uh, Tom, you go back 
to your point that you just made a couple of moments ago uh, about the chemistry and uh, can the Packers come together. Um, the Ty Montgomery uh, situation on on Sunday has generated something, uh, you know, of great controversy, and that is um, people questioning and, you know, anonymous teammates uh, questioning his character and whether or not he took that ball out of the end zone in spite or despite uh, being pulled from the game uh, earlier and not being on the field. Clue mm-hmm. us in on exactly what was going on and what's gone on the last couple of days in Green Bay. So, yeah, and, and part of this, uh, this is something that Mike McCarthy has to address and he has to, um, part of Tom Montgomery's frustration was the result of how McCarthy has handled some of these things. So they have a three, running back rotation. And it's been clear to everybody but McCarthy that Aaron Jones is their best running back. And, of course, he proved it again uh, Sunday with a 33-yard touchdown run, and he averages over eight yards a carry. And, and you know, he's he's averaging – I have to go back and look because I haven't looked at the latest stats. But, I you know, he's averaging around five yards, more than five yards per carry. He's an explosive runner. He, his pass protection is a problem, which um, in Green Bay, you have to be able to pass protect as a running back. But he's so explosive that you got to get the ball in his hand 15 times a game, and he's been averaging about eight times a game. And so Montgomery and Jamal Williams have been the other two backs, and what happened was you know, they had a play for Montgomery late in the game. For some reason, he was in. McCarthy put him in there and they threw to him and the play was screwed up and it was incomplete and McCarthy brought Aaron Jones in and Montgomery who had only had a few snaps during the game was upset for being pulled so quickly and I guess he threw his helmet none of us saw it none of these guys saw it um I don't know if Mike Silver was down on the sideline or or what um but uh it was Apparently, he threw his helmet down, and um, then on the kickoff, you know, he, he was told, take a knee, you know, unless it's in play, of course, then you have to return it. But if it's if it's anywhere in the end zone, take a knee. And he claimed yesterday that it was so close that he didn't know whether he uh, was in the end zone or, or not. You know, he was afraid that he was going to, you know, take a step and be, be outside of the end zone. So that was his excuse really. Then that's a coaching issue. If, if you don't tell him to look down at your feet and see where you're at. And if you're in the end zone, take a knee, then I don't know what was going on. So anyway, that, that's where a lot of this started. There was, uh, Mike Silver was able to get a couple guys to, um, rip, Montgomery uh, um, anonymously, and then on Monday, you know, some one of the team's leaders, Tremont Williams, kind of ripped the players who ripped Montgomery, and Montgomery said that he had gotten threats and was felt like he could not trust his teammates anymore, and so it's kind of a mess there. That, that sounds chaotic, that Tom. Yeah, yeah, that- it is. 
Now, you know, discord is not always a bad thing. You know, sometimes discord uh, sort of brings uh, the truth and the causes people to look at what's going on and be honest about stuff, but only if you address it. If you don't address it and you just let it fester, then it's going to tear the team apart. And that's what we're going to find out in the coming weeks is whether they can um, come together over this or whether they just start splintering. And, uh, you know, some really bad losses and you know what direction they're going to go. Right. How has Aaron Rodgers' patience stood up with all of the miscues around him? Not just Ty Montgomery, but, I mean, there, there have been people who have been very critical of, of Mike McCarthy and, you know, his coaching and his game calling and what have you. And and other and his offensive line has been, at times, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at times has just let him down. I mean, I remember um, the opening night uh, against the Bears at Sunday night game where where, uh, you know, Rodgers got hurt, hurt his knee, and he had that uh, miraculous, heroic comeback in the second half when he came off the stretcher and started the second half and led them to that come-from-behind win. But how is Aaron Rodgers' patience holding up? Well, you know, there's – and I might be in sort of the minority here, but I also feel like um, I've been around the game enough to – See how this stuff goes, and Certainly. McCarthy. Uh, McCarthy does have some culpability in the offense not performing. I, I still, I've been on him all year about um, not giving the ball to Aaron, Aaron Jones. It's just a, a joke that they haven't given it to him. Now, all of that, Rogers is a temperamental person, and he uh, has a way of. Um, doing backhanded criticisms of McCarthy and when he's unhappy and, you know, instead of just being blunt and honest about it, he has a way of kind of, you know, backdooring these these criticisms. And he, he is not um, completely innocent of some of the problems they've had on, on offense. I mean, he's held onto the ball too long. He's, trying to make too many big plays. He's trying to take the offense in his own hands. And the truth of the matter is, since they corrected some things in the that Bears game um, and actually brought in uh, a veteran at right guard, Byron Bell, to replace Justin McCray, their offensive line has been very good. And he's had a lot of time. It's just, you know, they had some injuries at wide receiver and they're playing with some really promising rookies there. But Rodgers has not been as good as normal, and part of it might be his knee, and part of it is he, you know, he's 34 years old and he's getting older, and there's some things he can't do as well as he he once did. He's, you know, he's had two broken collarbones, he's got this knee injury, he's had a calf injury, uh, he had a broken foot when he was a rookie, so you know his body's taken taken some hits. And while he's really, obviously, very, very talented and still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, he has to accept some of the blame for what's gone on as well. And for some reason, he and McCarthy just, um, I don't know if it's because they've been together so long, and you can probably <laughs> probably um, go through instances when Belichick and Brady have not seen eye to eye as well. Most definitely. It, <laughs> 
it, it's it's a matter of you know when do you come together and do what's best for the whole team and put behind all your your you know dissatisfactions. So uh, that that's what has to happen for them. And Rogers has to play better, and McCarthy has to coach better. But it's not to me the the national narrative has been that you know Rogers is being wasted and you know you could you could say that but they've been in um NFC championship games um you know since uh in 14 and 11 and you know they are not 11 but you know they've been close and they I think 14 and 16 so they've been right there and they just haven't been able to get over the hump and um you know, both those guys have to take some responsibility for it. Well, see, and and I think you know one of the big differences here in New England, Tom. Speaking with Tom Silverstein, um, covering the Packers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, uh, one of the big differences is Brady has um, Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator here, and they are um, best buds, and uh, mm-hmm. neither one of them uh, deny it. I mean, they both say, you know, they admire the heck out of each other and their friends on and off the field. Um, and, you know, that buffer, you know, allows, I think, Brady to kind of handle Belichick, um, tolerate sometimes when Belichick comes down on Tom hard because he does. Um, I don't know if that, if there is anything like that for Aaron Rodgers in, in Green Bay, is there? No, no, McCarthy never comes down on Rodgers. I mean, he, he that might be part of the problem is that, you know, Rodgers has built a lot of um, capital here. He's now the highest paid player in the NFL. Right. And uh, he's quite aware of that. And he has an, a tremendous amount of leverage in the offense. I mean, he they do so much RPO stuff. And he calls all the plays in the two minute and he's got all kinds of audible opportunities and he has a say in the game plan each week. So, you know, he, he's not always thrilled with the, the offense and the way that it's going, but, uh, you know, McCarthy has had success as a, as a, quarterback guy and I don't know if it's just that they've been together for so long uh, but they need to you know Rodgers needs to figure out okay am I on board with exactly what we're doing or am I going to keep fighting it and you know at some point I think I'm sure Brady is the same way you know where at some point you come to a middle ground and, and then you go and you win a Super Bowl so um, I think that's kind of where they're at, and the more success they have, if they if they play better this week than they did last week, then some of these things will start to fade away. One more question about Aaron Rodgers, and that is, what would beating Tom Brady on the road at Gillette Stadium mean to him? I get that it's only a regular season game and it's an interconference game, obviously, but you know, we, we mentioned, you know, quite a while back that, um, you know, the Packers are looking for that kind of win to kind of galvanize, um, their, their locker room, their season, kind of get them going in the right direction. But personally, would yeah. it mean, would it mean a lot for Aaron Rodgers to beat Brady on the road? 
Yeah, it, it would. There's no question about it. He, he's one of these guys who uses um, anything for motivation, uh, any kind of a slight. He loves to be slighted so that he can use that as motivation. And, you know, I think it really hurt him to lose to Jared Goff uh, or at least not get the chance to beat Jer- right. Jared Goff. I mean, a guy from his own college, a guy who um, – uh, the next up and coming thing, but also has idolized Rogers. So I'm sure that bothered him a lot. I think the competitive end of him. And, and I think this is what makes both him and Brady so great. I'll never forget that 14 game in green Bay when I think Rogers threw a late touchdown that pretty much sealed the game, or maybe it was a first down that sealed the game. And I remember the cameras went to, Brady and he just cursed up a storm. I mean, you could tell what he was saying and I can't repeat it here, but it, the competitiveness uh, of Brady was so evident there and Rogers is the same way. And it's like, I, I would love to see the two play one-on-one basketball. I think that would be <laughs> a blast to, to see how many elbows were thrown and, and, you know, just the competitiveness of them, both. And so I think, uh, yeah, I think this is uh, a marquee game for Rodgers. Want to move on to the defense. And, uh, you know, with all of the talk about Aaron Rodgers, what does Clay Matthews think of the way this team is playing defense? Well, um, I guess he liked the energy they played with on Sunday. But he's he's been – he's had a poor year to start. He played – much, much better on Sunday. I don't know if it was being back in California or the Coliseum, you know, where he played his college football right. or, or what, but he was, he was a beast on, on Sunday. He was very, very instrumental in, in slowing down Gurley and, um, had a hit and a sack and played his best game of the year. I, I also think it tended to be the fact that it was coming off a bye. You know, his body's taken a lot of punishment over the years, and I think having a week off helped him a lot. Uh, so we'll see where he's at this week. Um, but, you know, they played much, much better. I, I think really if you want to know what changed things more than anything, it was them getting uh, their first-round pick. Jair Alexander back. He was, um, it, it was one of the best rookie performances I've seen in a long time by a corner. You know, he had fat, five pass breakups. He, um, he took on Brandon Cooks one on one the whole game and, and pretty much shut him down. I mean, he gave up a couple of, pa- a couple of completions, um, but he played physical. He's a real emotional player. And I think it allowed Petten to do all kinds of stuff because he could play man coverage behind it and not worry about getting beat. Um, and, and so I, I'm really interested to see how they match up with New England's receivers. Back in 2010, I remember they got really aggressive with the receivers. They put Charles Woodson on Welker, and then they had him just try to beat up Welker inside. And I, I'm very interested to see how that goes, what Patton does with them. And, of course, he has a long history with the, the Patriots, too. 
You, correct. And, and I was going to ask, um, he also has a long history trying to defend Rob Gronkowski, who, by the way, hasn't scored a touchdown since week number one. Does that blow you away? It does, except that I've watched some of those games where he's got three guys on him all the time. I, I, I'm amazed at how much attention he draws. And, uh, you know, I mean, it probably explains why they're winning five straight, too, is they, you know, he may not have the numbers, but, boy, he's got to be taking tons of attention away from everybody else. Uh, he, he was a – I remember he was a tough cover. I mean, he's always been a tough cover. But in that 14 game, they couldn't stop him. And in the 10 game, both him and Hernandez killed him. So I, you know, he may not have scored, and that does kind of blow me away. But, man, he is, you just know that he's just a time bomb waiting to happen. And, and you better figure out a way to cover him. And uh, I'm going to ask you one more question. Who are they going to put on James White? Because I, I'll tell you this right now, Tom. Um, you know, having covered this team, I haven't seen many more dynamic backs for the Patriots uh, than, James, than than the kind of season James White is putting together. Yeah, and you know we're all familiar with them here from Wisconsin, he played at Wisconsin, right. and um, and nobody saw his career going in the direction that it has. I mean, he was a good back at Wisconsin, but he wasn't the back he's been in New England. They found a great role for him. That's a good question, and I even wondered whether they might find a way to um, to get Alexander covering him a little bit out of the backfield. Um, but you know that's kind of hard to do. They they do play a dime defense just a lot, and so they have a safety, Jermaine Whitehead, who's sort of a half safety, half corner, and I could see him drawing White, but he's nowhere near as quick as White, and that. That that's going to be a, a huge key in the game. Well, if they play a lot of dime, I would assume the Patriots would attack that with um, a somewhat revitalized running attack, though Sonny Michel has been dinged up and will probably yeah. – I mean, he's a 50-50 call for Sunday night. But um, Ken, Bar- Ken John Barner, look out for him. He is somebody, a running back, who uh, has flown under the radar, uh, was on the practice squad earlier in the year, but they really, really like him. Powerful runner. Yeah, and the Packers are thin at defensive line, and their guys have to play a lot of snaps, and they wore down in the Rams game. And, you know, if they're getting run on on um, Sunday night, yeah, that could be that could be a problem. Well, Tom, uh, too bad we didn't uh, get together on Sunday. We were about six miles apart. You were, as, uh, <laughs> as everybody knows, covering the Packers and the Rams game, and uh, I was six miles to the northeast at Dodger Stadium watching the Red Sox uh, wrap up the uh, World Series on Sunday. It was quite the day uh, in L.A., and uh, I just want to thank you very much for uh, taking time out to join us. Oh, it was a pleasure. Anytime. And, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed our, our talk. It was great. Uh, that is Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Not only does he do a tremendous job covering the Packers and has for 29 years, almost three decades now, actually three decades, but he also hosts the Packers podcast. You can uh, catch that at JSOnline.com. 
com. Again, Packers Podcast at jsonline.com for the lowdown on everything Green Bay Packers. You can also follow him on Twitter, by the way, Tom Silverstein, all one word, and that's S-I-L-V-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. For producer Mike Alonji, our executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, this is Mike Petralia, and this has been the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media.